we take the first and we set them aside. You say, why 40? Well, I like to, I like to refer to it. There's 365 days in a year. So 36.5 days would be a tithe. That's a tenth of our year right there. Then 3.5 is just an offering we're going to give to God. We, we, we give Him a tithe of our time, a tithe of our, our energies. A tithe. We, give, we believe in giving tithes of finances. But we believe that there's something beyond that because a tithe is the tenth. It's something that we're entrusting to Him to not only use us, but to draw us closer to Him. That's why we say it's a time of consecration. It's a time of sanctification, of, of laying some things. During this time, we're going to ask you to enter into what is referred to as a Daniel's Fast. Now, what that means, it's not, it, you don't have to go get all foods prepared by Daniel. I'm not saying that. No, what it is, is a Daniel's Fast is, is really a... a a fast of something that you determine with God to refrain from in order to have more time with Him. Now, this, this is going to be completely between you and God, and I'm just kind of setting this up because we're going to go over the next six weeks and talk about, not the fasting specifically, but we're, we're going to talk about this kingdom building. Um, you know, we've had people that have fasted TV for 40 days. Oh, Lord Jesus, about my, you know, uh, if, if, if you was uh, from down in Kentucky, or Kentucky, Tennessee, you'd say it, Mike Knight killed him. Mike Knight killed him. K-I-L-T. It didn't kill him, it killed. Some of you not from the South, so you don't know what that means. But, um, you know, no, it's not going to kill you for 40 days to give up Coke. I'm not talking about the stuff you snort. I'm talking about the stuff you drink. Some of we got some folk in the house go, which one you want me to get? You know, know, we actually had one lady that, please, um, if if she's here today, then I I love you and I appreciate it. She came and she said, you know, I'm giving up all extramarital sex. And I said, well, thank you, Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a good start. That's a start. Praise God. He said, pastor, that's to, well, you got to start someplace, right? We've had people that have given up cigarettes for 40 days. Oh, Jesus, you mean you got people in your house that smoke? we got people that do worse than that. Don't worry. Um, don't make me get down off this two steps here and, and come into your house. See, I, I'm not saying, you know, but listen, I'm not telling you what you need to fast, but we've had people that gave up something for 40 days, and after the 40 days, they just said, you know what, I'm not going back to it. We had, one time we had a lady that gave up all negative conversation out of her mouth. She called me the second day and said, Pastor, you don't know how hard this is. And I said, then for every word of negativity that you wanted to speak, speak a praise. Say something positive. Say something praiseworthy, uh, you know, noble and just. And see, that's what the Bible says in Philippians. Says, I said, fill your mouth. With the, by the end of the 40 days, you couldn't find a more positive, optimistic, praise-filled woman on the earth. Because she was starting to change a pattern in her life. Now, I, this is not, I'm not saying that that's what I'm trying to do with you. What I'm saying is we're, we're asking you to join us. I'm not going to come into your house and I'm not going to take notes to whether you're doing this. This is between you and God. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. But we want you to to consider giving up or putting something aside for a season so that you can have more of God for this season. And then in this time, to let God develop and you develop that relationship that we need to absolutely do what God has called us to in this year of 2016. So whatever that is to you, 
God bless you. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to, you don't have to run it by me to see if I think it's spiritual enough or not. Listen, I'm not going to judge your, what, what you're going to give up. You may want to give up. You know, maybe you just want to, you know, I heard somebody say, well, I'm going to give up coming to church. Well, if that's what God told you to do, okay, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt that he's going to tell you to quit coming to church and, and quit reading his word, quit praying. I'm going to give up praying. Well, you know, some of you don't have to give up praying. You wouldn't start. So, I, no, Jesus, help me. Forgive me. Forgive me, Jesus. Somebody say, bless him, Jesus. Bless him. I told you don't get me started. I'm just teasing. Turn to the person next to you, smile, Rebecca, and say, we're going to get ready in this. We are going to do this in the name of Jesus. So, I told you that we're beginning into this this. Six weeks study or six weeks of adventure, a six week journey that, that I'm trusting is going to propel us into what God has already shown me that we need to do for our city. You say, well, Pastor, you know, you keep saying about the city, the city, the city. Well, let, let me let me just set this up because we're, we're starting into this focus. Now, everybody say the word focused. What happens when we focus? When you begin to focus on something, something begins to change. About three years ago, three or four years ago now, I began to focus on my physical health and my physical body, my physical uh, weight. Um, I was about 125 pounds more than I am right now. And over uh, over a period of about a year... I, I began to focus myself. In fact, my, you know, I had people that would tell me we'd go out to eat or something on a Sunday and, and my wife would say, you're becoming obsessed with this. You just need to settle down. You need to quit. Or, or, or somebody else would tell me, you know, you're becoming obsessed with this. And I said, no, I, you know, whatever. I'm focused on this. And through a focus, I lost over 125 pounds. Now, I'm not saying that to get your applause. Thank you. But I, I'm not saying that to get your applause. What I'm saying is that any time... We begin to focus ourselves on something. Something is going to change. And so we're coming into this time right now. We're starting into this focused time of concentration on Jesus Christ, on His kingdom, over over these next few weeks. And what I want to ask you to do is, I believe God has spoken to my heart over this last year as I was praying for this year. And he's, He said, I want you to focus especially on the call and God's desire for each of us to build His kingdom In this city. See, I'm not talking through these six weeks and our pastors are going to join me. I'm not talking about, and we're not going to be talking about going across the nations and going across the sea, going into other states or anything. We'll do those things over the the last few weeks. Pastor told you that we helped with Samaritan's Purse and we blessed children in Africa and and in different parts of the world. And we, we, we reached out and touched different things. We will do mission ministry, but what I'm saying is there's no greater mission than I have in my heart than to see this city anointed and flowing under the power of the Holy Spirit. This city to let Jesus be Lord. This is my city. Now, I know that can, you know, in some ways we hear stuff like that and it can just sound like church talk. But, but I'm going to tell you, this city is my city. This is, listen to me for a minute. This is where I live. This is where people that I love live. This is where my family lives. And this, come on, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is where I'm going to live until Jesus comes, unless something happens. This is a place I have an investment in. This is my city. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm telling you, I'm not, 
I am not content to just be on the sidelines and watch the effects of sin and poverty that have crept into this city. See, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord in this city. In fact, I'll say it this way. I realize, or I should say, I'm not willing to sit back any longer as, as a man of God or as a pastor or, or a leader in this house. I'm not willing to be content to sit back and see the drug problem that we have in our city. I'm not willing to see the murders that, that, that have been happening over the last year to two years. I'm not willing and content to sit back and say, well, you know, okay, sera, sera, what will be, will be. This is just the way it is nowadays. No, I am not willing to do that because this is my city. You see, if it was, if it was you and someone was coming into your house, let's talk about your house for a minute, and, and someone began to come into your house, and they began to trash up your furniture, and bring mud into your house, and begin to, you know, just go through your house, and leave doors open, and eat all your food, and just trash the house. How many of you would say, wait, 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 wait? I got nobody in the house. Come on, how many of you mamas in the house, I mean, you don't even let your babies do that. Come on, you, you love them all the pieces, but listen, listen to me, sweetie. Pick up after yourself. Mama's not here to be your slave. Mama's here to help you, but Mama's not going to do everything for you. You're going to get in there and clean. You know, when, when it says laundry, it's self-service. When it, says, when it says food time, it means you can go in the kitchen dish up some yourself. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you would let someone come into your house and destroy it? How many of you would say, no, 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 wait a minute, this is my house? Now, I'm not talking about being mean, I'm not talking about being obstinate, but what I'm talking about is I'm not willing, I'm not content to say, well, the devil is the devil, and therefore we'll just let him do what he wants to do. Are you in this house? This is my city. I don't have this scripture on there, so you don't have to worry about it, but Proverbs, the 14th chapter, the 34th verse in the, in the Message Bible says, and I just want to read this to you, it says, God devotion makes a country strong. God avoidance leaves people weak. I think without any harm and any injustice to the Word of God, and then in Proverbs, the 14th chapter, I think where the Word says city, or I mean country, we can put city. God devotion makes a city strong, and God avoidance leaves the people of the city weak. Listen, God's mercy, His goodness, His kindness, His favor, His blessings, all of that is a result of Him and how we honor Him and His kingdom. I'm going to tell you, we need His favor and we need His blessing in this city. See, the Bible says it this way in John, the third chapter, and you know this scripture, but I'm going to read it again to you. John, the third chapter, the 16th verse, says, For God so loved the world... So loved Richmond. So loved Wayne County. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world, into Richmond or into Wayne County to condemn it. But that this city might be saved. Great God in heaven. I, I, I got to teach this, but I, I feel the Holy Spirit upon me right now. See, what we need to realize is that 
His intense, unrelenting, never give up love is what propelled God to seek us out. And that same love is what should drive His call and His desire in us for this city. How many of you sitting in this house right now can say without a doubt in your mind that yes, you may have problems, but you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Now, if you have done that, if you've done that, then it was His love that drew you in, and it is His love that empowers you to go out. See, the Bible says it this way in John the 15th chapter, the 17th verse of the Message Bible says, Remember the root command. Love one another. Let me, let me just take, because I, I need to set these, these weeks up here. I believe in order to love this city, to really experience this kingdom is to live it and to share it person to person. See, we've been called into the kingdom, not, not just to get another blessing, folk. You were never called into this kingdom. You were never born again just so you could have another blessing, but so that you could become a blessing. You were called into the kingdom of God so that you could become the light of God to shine and show the way out of darkness. See, the kingdom of God is us. It's, it's the church. It's the family of God. It's us. It is us, and it's, it, this, is, this is where God lives, and where He works, and, and, oh, somebody, this is what our city needs. Listen, I realize that we need help with the drug problem. I realize we need a change of mentality in some of our leaders in our, our city and our county. I, I realize we need some help in our educational system. I realize we need some jobs and better jobs. We need some industry. I know we do, but what I know is that we need the kingdom of God built in this city. Because God devotion makes a city and a country strong. God avoidance leaves the people weak. See, the Bible says it this way in Ephesians, the second chapter. Speaking to us, the body of Christ, to us, the church, to us, Bethesda Worship Center. You are no longer foreigners and outsiders, but citizens together with God's people and members of God's family. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. In him. Everybody say, in him. Say it again. In him. All the parts of the building fit together and grow into a holy temple in the Lord. Through Him, say through Him. You also are being built in the Spirit together with others into a place where God lives. So over the next 40 days, over the next 40 days, I'm calling this house... I'm calling everyone that will join me on an adventure and a journey of faith and sacrifice. I'm calling us to, to learn some of the whys and the hows of building the kingdom of God. Because what I'm telling you is I believe with all my heart this is what our city needs. Yes, I believe we have a lot of different things that could happen if we just had, if we had some different mentality and leadership, if we had some different, you know, if we had some jobs and better jobs, if we had the drug problem solved. Yes, I believe that those things are great and wonderful, but listen to me. I've seen places that didn't have any of those problems that still didn't have the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And where God honor is, the city and the county, the country is strong. 
So we're going to take the next 40 days and we're going to begin to look at some, some builders, what? Of the kingdom of God. Because I believe that God... Oh, see, here's where i, I got to be careful because I'm going get, to get away a little bit here. I believe that God has brought us through what we've gone through. I believe that God has brought you through what you've gone through. Prophetically, to prepare you to become the light that you are to be in this city. See, I know that it is... I was praying the other day and I even talked to my wife about this a little bit. And I think I may have talked to Pastor Patton... Uh, maybe Pastor Dave too and I, I started talking about the fact that, you know, if it was just another message or another sermon or another, uh, maybe we could have some more services. That would change this city. Well, great Lord in heaven above, we've had a lot of services. There's been a lot of messages. There's been a lot of sermons. There's been a lot of anointed people, anointed ministers, anointed times in the Holy Ghost in and through this city. Do you know What? There's still a satanic stronghold in this, in this area. Well, if we could just have, you know, some, so, you know, if we could have a really good concert. We had some good music. We have some good music. We have some anointed praise and worship times where, where the presence of God is seen and felt and heard. And, and I mean, you, 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 you experience God. And there's still satanic strongholds in this region. Well, if we could just get the preachers all, you know, if we get them anointed and flowing in the Holy Ghost, boy, it'd be said, listen, we've got some good preachers in this area. We got some that, that are that are absolutely in love with Jesus Christ, in love with the body of Christ, and they are blessings to their houses of worship. But there are still I'll see you See, I, I realize this is, this is going to be kind of, we're going to have to plow a little bit here, but we'll plow. Bless God, I've already got my boots on. I'm ready. See, what I'm trying to tell you is I prayed and I said, God, what, what, what do we need? And he took me to that scripture and he said, that through him you also are being built in the spirit together with others into a place where God lives. See, I don't know the street that you live on. But what I know is that if you live on that street, then God lives on that street. See, you, you didn't catch that. I said, if you live on that street, that means God lives on that street. Now listen, I know that we don't live communally. We are all spread out through this city, all through this county. That means that God has been spread all throughout this city and all throughout this county. Are you seeing this? Why, Pastor? Why do you want me to see this? Because this is what is going to change our city and our our county. When we begin to build the kingdom ourselves. When we come together to be the place where God lives. Now listen, let 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 me just talk to you for a little bit. Because it starts... We, we, we said these words out of that scripture, in him and through him. It starts in him and through him. Ephesians, the second chapter, talks about a building process that every one of us is in. And, and it's a unique process. The building process of God is always unique because we are, number one, we are being built personally. You are being built personally. I'm being built personally in a process to be changed into what he is and what he wants for me. 
There's always, it always begins personally. But then secondly, we are being built corporately. God is building and bringing us together into a body and a family unit that can be cohesive to do more than the single can. We're being built personally, we're being built corporately, and then thirdly, we're being built to help build others. The purpose and the call of God upon us as a church in this last day is not so that we can just amass more money and amass more uh, abilities. Listen, I love that God gave us this building, but I'm telling you someone, listen, this building is not going to bless a single person. It's not going to take a single person to heaven. It's not going to help or, or minister to a single person because after the rapture, you can do whatever you want to in this house. You can make it a house of ill repute. You can make it into a drug den. I don't care what you do. It didn't do a thing. I had people when we, when we left the other building, you know, we, we, we left little 19th Street. And I had some folk come to me and they said, Pastor, you know, I just, I just hate that we're leaving this building because every time I come in, I feel the presence of God. And I said, well, sweetheart, that's not the building. That's the presence of God. I mean, Lord Jesus, if it was just a building, everybody in the nation would be running to this house. I see some empty chairs. So what that tells me is it's never carpet, it's never wood, it's never metal, it's never a shingle, it's never... Come on, are you in this house? It is not the building, it is the people that God dwells within. This is where God dwells. Not in this, this, this place, but in this human flesh. We're being built to help build others. Listen, God wants to use us to reach out and bring others into a real relationship with Him and then help them with their process of being built personally with God. Oh, here's where it gets a little scary because this process, everybody say the process, has a capital C at the beginning of it and it's called commitment. Oh, but I thought you'd have something great to bring us on the first Sunday of January. I'm bringing you something great. I'm bringing you a call from the Godhead. I'm bringing you a clarion call from God Himself that says, I want to build the kingdom because this is your city. This is our city. This is where God planted us. I am not going home to heaven until I have completed what God has called me to do in this place. Great Lord Jesus. See, it starts, this commitment starts with us. Listen to me, listen to my heart. It starts with us knowing Him for ourselves. We need to know Him. Oh, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, can I tell you, it's a whole lot easier to know about Him than it is to know Him. And there's a whole lot of people in a whole lot of churches, I pray they're not here today, you know about Him, but you have a problem knowing Him. Why are you yelling? I'm not sure. I just feel a little, little something running up and down the back of my spine that says, Bless God, this is my city, and I am ready to fight for it. See, this, 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 this process of being built personally, this process of being, being built corporately, this process of helping others to be built themselves, starts with a capital C called commitment. What, a commitment to what? To know Him for yourself. 
John 10, the fourth chapter, was talking about how sheep would, know, would follow their shepherd. And it said, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. John the 10th chapter, the 14th verse, Jesus said this. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Now listen, that word know means to see, to hear, to be able to recognize, to be able to discern. And listen to me, somebody hear me, hear my heart. That only happens as we spend time hearing and seeing and recognizing Him or developing this relationship personally. See, I love having you in the house of God every Sunday. I, I want you here every Sunday. I want you here every Wednesday. I want you to come in between and just hang out sometimes. But listen to me. I cannot develop you personally. Just coming into the house, although it is necessary, does not do all that is necessary to grow you up. You have to know Him personally. I told, so I, told, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, over the last couple, though, last month or so, I've been kind of harsh. I've been a little hard. I, feel, I almost feel like I need to apologize. But then on the other side, I thought, no, I can't apologize. I need to wake some folk up and say, listen, the time is too short. You can't play with this no more. You need to know Him in the fullness of His grace and His love. You need to know Him. Oh, but Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I know you're going through stuff. And listen, honey, I, I don't want to prophetically bring you down. But listen, you're going to go through stuff until He comes. But that's the secret. You're going through. Stop stopping in the stuff. Tweet that one, baby. Stop stopping in the stuff. Go through. Just go ahead and kind of punch somebody, elbow them real quick and say, stop stopping in the stuff. See, that's one of, listen, you know, you know one of the biggest deterrents to people or to building the kingdom of God? Do you know one of the biggest deterrents to building the kingdom of God with most people? It's for people that know about Him but don't know Him. But yet we say we know Him. You didn't understand that one. Can I say it like the old folk used to say? That's being hypocritical. We say we know something that we don't know. Help me, Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about it in Titus, the first chapter, the 16th verse. I hate this scripture, but it says it this way. They claim to know God. But by their actions. Listen, I'm not trying to get into your business. I'm not trying to eat your potato soup. I'm not trying to be all up in your stuff. I'm not trying to get into your stuff. What I'm trying to tell you is that it's not time for us to play any longer. It's time for us to know God in a real relationship. And then let that light begin to shine. Because where He lives and where I live is my city and He is going to be Lord. See, I, I listen, I listen, please, you listen to your pastor real quick. Because we are not, we are not setting up a litmus test for us to go around and start judging folk. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to judge you. Turn to somebody and say, he's not going to judge you. Turn back to him and say, I'm not going to judge you. 
However, great Lord in heaven. I don't know if I feel, just feel squirrely or I feel anointed. I'm, I'm trying to decide between two of them. However, somewhere, somehow, our relationship with Jesus Christ should be showing. There should be some fruit. Somewhere. Bible says it this way in John 13, chapter 35th verse says, This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love. Well, Pastor, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to be accepting and I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm just going to be loving and, and then just whatever one wants to do, just do it and be free and, and have fun doing it. Listen, what this love is, it's a t- if this love is talking about something that's tough enough to handle the disagreements and misunderstandings that happen in life and still stay friends. Oh, don't shout me down just because I'm in church. Come on. This is a tough enough love to walk beside someone who has messed up and not judge them and yet not allow them to stay messed up. Listen, I've been messed up, and I've had some folks that loved me enough that reached down in the mud and said, Get yourself up. You don't belong in the pig pen. You don't belong in the mud. Get up. You're a child of the king. That's love. That says, I love you enough I'm not walking away without you. I'm a reach. Come on, great God in heaven above. I'm, I'm trying to wrap this up. I'm trying to get to it. See, that kind of love is tough enough to go the extra mile and keep speaking life into someone even when they have gotten stuck on ugly. That kind of love is tough enough to do whatever needs to be done just because it needs to be done. I detest when someone says, that ain't my job. I was mentored under a great man of God, Dr. Paul Paino. I remember he came into the offices one day, and then there were some boxes laying in the, in the foyer, and he came in and said, there was a bunch of us younger folk, he was probably in his late 70s, maybe early 80s, I'm not sure, but he'd been, he'd been pastoring for probably 175 years. That's a little difficult since he's only 7580, but anyway, he'd been pastor forever. Just a great man of God. I love that man. Taught me so much about that there's, there can be something bigger than you ever dreamed. The kingdom of God and the call of God upon your life can be so much bigger. That's what he instilled into me. And he came into the office one day and he saw the boxes there and there was a bunch of us younger ministers and he said, Hey boys, wasn't disrespectful, just, he's 80 years old, I'm 30. I'm a boy. If you're 30 to an 80-year-old, you're a boy. Don't take offense to it. 2015's over. Get over it. The year of offense is done. He said, hey, fellas, get over here. Let's, let's move this stuff out of here. Two of those compadres said, well, Dr. Pino, that's not my job. That's the janitors. He said, you boys can go to the office, pick up your last week's check because you are fired. I thought, Jesus, he didn't even pray about it. He didn't seek the Holy Spirit. He didn't speak in tongues. 
They said, no. He said, fine, go. That's it. Listen to me. You know what love is? Love is what you have when you just do what needs to be done because it needs to be done. It's when you stick with it. It's tough enough to be engaged. And that, that kind of love is a tough love that's engaged and involved. Even though at times, yes, we want to run away and hide. But that's the kind of love that shows a real relationship with Jesus. And that's the kind of love that builds the kingdom. Now, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. But listen, to see this building process of being built personally, corporately, and then helping others to be built. We're going to study over the next four weeks. And this is what I said. I'm just trying to introduce this because over the next four weeks, over the next six weeks, five weeks after this, we're going to study four different builders. We're going to look at four different builders. In fact, I've already enlisted the help of our assistant pastors. Pastor Pat is going to be coming and ministering. And Pastor Dave is going to be coming and ministering. And I'm going to be in here ministering. And we're going to look at those four different builders from the Word of God to see what they did and why they did and how they did so that we can see what we need to do because this is my city. They had a call of God upon them. They had a purpose. They had a desire. They had a divine direction given to them by the Holy Spirit of God. And what happens is we need to take wisdom from those from the Word. So over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at four builders that allowed nothing. Everybody saying nothing. They allowed nothing to stop them from accomplishing what God had placed upon their heart. Let me just introduce you to them. Let me just introduce you to them. And, the, and, and every one of these men are going to be able to help me with this later. But builder number one was a man by the name of Noah. Now what I'm going to tell you is that his culture and his world was messed up. Messed up. Everybody say messed up. Turn to somebody and say, he was living in messed up times. Let me show you this out of Genesis, the sixth chapter, very quickly. It said, as far as God was concerned, the earth had become a sewer. Everybody say, messed up. There was violence everywhere. Everybody say, messed up. God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone corrupt and corrupting life itself, corrupt to the core. Everybody say, messed up. God said to Noah, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. Everybody say messed up. The violence is everywhere. And oh, I hate this one. He says, I'm making a clean sweep. Everybody say messed up. Listen, that's pretty tough talk, isn't it? But because God loved and loves so ferociously, he told Noah to build an ark to save what could be saved. Genesis 6, chapter the 18th through the 19th, verse going said, he said, God said to Noah, I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives will come on board with you. And you're also to take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on the board the ship, on board the ship, watch this, to preserve their lives with you. Now most of you know that story, but listen. How many of you realize there had to be people that were cruel and harsh and, and were, were, were harassing Noah? What are you doing? How many of you know to build an ark that big, to build a boat, to build a, uh, an enclosure that big, took more than just a couple of days? Took more than a week. Now listen, had it taken more than a week, I would have been inclined to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, find somebody else. 
Because I have a, not a whole lot of patience when it comes to building things. I mean, it needs to come together within the first few minutes for me. If not, duct tape can help it all out. Anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? Listen, you, you, you know that there were people that were harassing him, that made fun of him. And, and there were even some that were trying to sabotage the project and they rebuked him openly. But listen, Noah kept building. Why? Why would you do that, Noah? Because he wasn't just building a boat. Everybody say, not just a boat. He was building something to save people's lives. And that's the truth that we're going to learn from this builder. Regardless of persecution, we live, we love, we worship, we build for lives. Builder number two that we're going to be talking about is a man by the name of Moses. Now this is the man, most of you know this, but this is the man that God used to bring his people out of slavery. And to travel to the promised land with them. See, when Moses was called uh, by, by God, he, he was called and he, he was called to have the people. And, and God told him, listen, I want you to build me a tabernacle even in the desert while you're traveling. I want you to build a tabernacle, a place for God to dwell. And he told Moses, he said, listen, I want you to tell the people to give their talent and their times, their, their offerings to build this. In Exodus, the 35th chapter, the 29th verse, it says this. The Israelite men and women who were eager to contribute something for the work that the Lord had commanded Moses to do, listen, brought it as a spontaneous gift to the Lord. Help me, Jesus. Listen, one chapter later in Exodus, the 36th chapter, it says, And Moses, after he had already said this, and they brought it spontaneously, And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. He had to tell them, Listen, folks, stop giving! We got too much. I want to give, Pastor. No! I want to give because God's been good. No, you're not allowed. Now, I believe if you were to ask them, why in the world are you giving so much? They would say, we're building something that's bigger than us. We're building for the next generations. Moses knew that because in Joshua, the 14th chapter, verse 9, it says, On that day Moses took an oath saying, Truly the land where your feet have been placed will become a heritage for you and your children forever. Because you have been true to the Lord your God with all your heart. Listen to me, this kingdom building... This process, it is more than just us. It is about saving lives. It's about next generations. It's about our families. Great Lord in heaven above. It's about this city. Let me show you builder number three. I told you I'm just going to touch these and we'll expound on them as we go. Builder number three was a man in the Old Testament, not very known or not very widely known, but a man by the name of Ezra. This was who God used to help build the temple so worship could be restored even after Jerusalem had been destroyed by the enemies. In Ezra, the first chapter, verse 2 and 3, it says, The Lord God of heaven has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. 
praise. Who is among you, listen to this, of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. Pastor, what was it? I, listen, I love that the invitation from Ezra to help build was an invitation to all his people. Everybody say all. Say all his people. Listen, it wasn't to a select few. It wasn't to just the pastors or the preachers. This was an all his people invitation. And it was all the people who worked. It was all the people who shouted when the walls were put up. It was all his people that did all of it and disregarded the opposition and the hecklers that tried to stop them. All his people. See, here's the truth we're going to learn from Ezra. It's not about just to select a few. It's not about pastors. It's not about preachers. It's not about a sermon. It's not about a house. It's not about a place. God needs you. In fact, I want you to look at someone real quick and I want you to tell them, God needs you. See, listen, this is about saving lives. It's about next generation. And God needs you. He needs us in this building process of the kingdom. Let me give you one more, and I, I will try to bring this to a close as quickly as I can. But that is builder number four. We're going to study over the next few weeks, and that is a man by the name of Nehemiah. This was the man that helped rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He is, he is the, uh, the one that came behind Ezra. Ezra was his predecessor. Ezra rebuilt the temple so they could worship, but Nehemiah came behind him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Why, Pastor? Because the enemy, even though there was worship, and oh, you got to listen right now. Even though there was worship, the enemy could still come over those fallen walls, those ruins. Come in and out of the city. Come in and out. Oh, somebody help me right now. Come in and out of people's lives. So Nehemiah came along and he said, listen, we're going to put the walls back up for protection. Nehemiah, the second chapter, says this. Said, then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, in how Jerusalem lieth waste. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem. Listen, that we be no more a reproach. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hand for this good work. Listen to me. Let me let me just let me just let me just tell you this. Those people, listen now, they were living in every day in messed up streets, going to businesses that were burnt and ruined. They sent their kids to schools that were busted apart, and they went home at night to homes that had been invaded and torn up. You know what's even worse? That word where he says, let it be no more a reproach. The word reproach means to rest. Oh, listen to this. You've got to hear this. To rest upon conditions of shame and disgrace. To rest there. Yes, it's shameful. Yes, it's disgraceful. But we're just going to live in it. Great Lord, I feel like I'm about to bust the devil. I know that's a sad commentary, but listen, it sums up way too many people's lives. 
You may have a relationship with Jesus, but if you're still living and resting in the old messed up conditions of shame and disgrace, you don't have to anymore. We've got entire areas of our city and our community that have in many ways given up and they've settled into a position that nothing will change. So just rest there. What was that? Holy Ghost. What did he say? He said, you keep going, big boy. You keep going. You sure, Pastor? That's what I heard. Listen to me. Listen to me. This building process we're in is about saving lives for eternity, but it's also about helping people in this present life. Listen, it's about finding freedom from the shame and the disgrace of the past. Now, it's about a change from what has been to a greater and a better now. It's about turning and messed up into blessed up. I've got to bring this to a close because it's, some, of you, some of you got places to go. And I'm praying that you go and that the Holy Ghost dog ever one of your steps. And that as you begin to read and fast and pray and enter into a communication and a communion with Him, that He begins to burn. Burn within you. That people go, there's something about you. You've got problems. You've got things that are facing you. But there's just something about you. You've got issues. You've got family. You've got job. You've got, but there's something about you. Remember Proverbs 14 chapter I read to you? God devotion makes a country strong. God avoidance leaves people weak. What I'm trying to tell you is that we need God's kingdom in this city now. I know we need industry. I, I know we need the drug problem stopped. I know we need some changes in our educational system. I know we, we need a new mentality in some of our leaders. But where we need to start, where we need to start, you listen to your pastor right now. Every mind hear me. Every ear hear me. Where we need to start is for us, the church, to be built personally, corporately, and then begin to build the kingdom around us. How are we going to do it, Pastor? Listen to me. This is what I love. Isaiah the 58th chapter. Now, I promise I'm bringing this to a close. Isaiah the 58th chapter, verse 12. Short toast. I feel that too, sweetie. Isaiah 58 tells us how we're going to do it. You ready? Somebody just lift your hand and say, Thank you, Jesus. Why you do that? You just scare me when you do it. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to be a, a, a flambo. I'm not trying to do anything other than the fact that I just feel the Holy Spirit of God. Isaiah, the 58th chapter, tells us how we're going to do this. It says, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. <laughs> Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. Oh, great God. Some, some, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, some of you have been fearing your past. And God said, I want to take your past and use it. Great God, I want to use it as a foundation. It's going to be a stone that the builder did not reject. But it's going to be something that he used. He said, you'll use the old rubble of your past lives to build a new. Rebuild the foundations from out in your past. 
You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and re-innovate, and make the community livable again. Jump to your feet and give Him a praise. Jump to your feet and give Him a praise. Come on, give Him a praise in this house. He said, Pastor, that is, that's all grand. Those are big words. Listen, this is my city. You know what, Larry? If somebody came in my house and tried to take it or to harm my wife, I may not be able to conquer them, but I'm going to go down with a fight. Right? I believe you like that too. I ain't as young as I used to be. I ain't as spry. When I get up out the chair, I, I, I make noises nowadays. <laughs> Sound a lot like my, my granddad. <gasps> I can roll over in bed at night and pop out of bed and run around the house with a Charlie horse. I mean, I, I just getting out of the chair the other day, out of the recliner. Got up, got up, and I went, Whew, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Father God. And I said, you, you feeling the Holy Ghost? I said, no, I'm feeling the Charlie horse. It's about to kill me. And she said, well, listen, I may not be as spry as I used to be. I may not be able to do everything I used to do. I remember when I was younger, listen, I said, well, you got to stand and now you're going to talk. Well, Hush. I remember when I was younger, Larry, I would pick up, I picked up our, not the whole entire house at the same time, but I picked up our refrigerator and moved it because we didn't have nobody to help me. I picked up the couch, put it on my back and moved it out to the truck. I would just, I was strong. You ask me to do that now? I'm going to say, don't you have a dolly someplace? (laughs) Didn't you? I'm going to say, give me your phone. Pastor Dave and Pastor Pat are on my call list. Man of God says he's got an anointing for you right now. But you know what? Someone come against my house, I'd go down fighting. I'm not going to rest and let the enemy continue to have my city. That we be no more a reproach. Well, Pastor, you know the times we're living in. I don't care about the times. I care about my city. Well, but it's just a sign of the times. I don't care if it is a sign of the times. That means I just got a little bit more time to do it. How are we going to do it? Just what Isaiah said. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Now, promise I'm asking you to take these 40 days with me. I'm going to be fasting. I'm going to be setting some things aside. Why are you going to fast? Well, that's none of your business. Just like I'm not going to ask you what you're going to fast. It's between you and the Father. But I'm going to ask you to fast. I'm going to ask you to pray. And I'm going to ask you to read the Bible. You know what? Bring me your Bible. I'm going to ask you to do something too. Listen. 
That's okay. That's okay. How many of you remember this? I know, I know some of you still got these in your house. Well, Pastor, I've read the Bible several. Yes, I have too. In fact, I've memorized a great amount of this. But do you know what? There's something about putting this in front of your eyes. I'm not saying you've got to go get the Bible and turn pages. Maybe it's going to be on your Bible app. My problem with the Bible app, oh, great Lord. My problem with the Bible app is you also have solitaire on there. You've got Killstone or you've got Game of Wars and Game of Thrones and Game of this and Game of that. And you, can, you, you, you get tired of reading, so you just flip over something else and start reading the news. Come on! You go read the Bible, read the Bible. Why don't you put this in front of your face? Whether that's on your Bible app or whatever it is, maybe, maybe you need to go back and just pull out the Word. Get some pages where you have to touch something. I'm not saying that's holy. I'm just saying I want you to do this. Over the next 40 days, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to fast. I'm going to ask you to read the Bible. In fact, we've made this so simple. On your way out, there's going to be some folks that are at the back door. You can take this prayer guide, 40-day prayer guide. Every day is listed with at least one or two scriptures. And then a thought. Let me just read. But when do I start? When you start. You want to start today? Start today. You want to start tomorrow? Start tomorrow. Watch this. Here's day five. Or, the, or January 4th, if we're going to start tomorrow. Watch this. Day four. First Chronicles 16, 23-36. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's more than Scripture. Yeah, it'll take you about 13 seconds to read it. Then it says, bless God for everything you see today and even what you don't. Bless God. I'm asking you for 40 days to give up something, fast something. And that amount, not just to give it up. Listen to me, somebody, this is not a diet plan. Well, I was going to give up, I was going to give up sweets. Well, then give them up, that's fine. But... If you're going to give up sweets, then give them up for God. I guarantee you it'll be harder than a diet plan. Because everything going to enter in to kind of take and steal your time with Jesus. But listen to me. The devil has been stealing from your family. He's been stealing from my family. He's been stealing from my city. This is my city. This is my city. This is my city. This is my city. I am not willing to say, yes, you can have it. Let me give you two things I want you to do. You ready? Number one, before we leave this house, don't look at the clock. I've gone nine minutes over. Listen, number one, let's start this right. Let's make Jesus Christ Lord of our life first. This is the personal thing. You ready? Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Every bit. 
past, present, and future. I'm opening up every door, every window, every cupboard, every closet, even the ugly ones, even the nasty ones that I don't want anybody else to see. They're yours. Be Lord of me. In Jesus' name. Now, let's start 40 days. Listen, let me tell you, there's...